0: Although failing is another story, but definitely on your own path to your success, whatever it is, um, it will be rocky, and you will have ups and downs, and it's hard as, as hell. So like, definitely, I think perseverance is the number one thing I could advise anyone, uh, and I tell that to myself every time it's hard. And it was hard when it was corona, uh, like two months ago. So you just wake up, you're like, oh, it's this time of life again. I uh, just have to wake up in the morning and plow through the day.
1: Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's uh, built several companies to seven million dollar plus or seven figure plus exits, as well as um, the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law. Um, We have got another great person on the podcast today. Yvonne, not Ivan, and I'll try to do that, and uh, I'll, I'll make it no promises to the audience, so that I won't make a mistake, but I'll try and get Yvonne, and uh, uh, Yvonne uh, started out as a coder some years ago, and, and then moved over to kind of do some cloud-based stuff, he built up a company, came up to about 20, pl- or employ- 20 people working for him, fired everybody, built it up again, and has a great story to tell, so I welcome you onto the podcast.
0: Uh, thanks, Darren, uh, glad to be here
1: all right so i gave you a brief introduction but maybe if you want to start back in your journey kind of tell us where you started out and then how you got to where you're at
0: today sure sure uh we didn't fire everyone but we fired a lot of people yeah that's that that happened um so uh way how we so the company that we started that we're talking about right now is code anywhere code anywhere is basically a code editor in the browser um pretty much like google docs except you write code instead of documents and excel sheets and whatnot, um, and it started a long long time ago when me and my co-founder both were freelancer freelance developers and we both live in Croatia on the Mediterranean coast um, and we since we freelanced we were at the beach a lot and we had to freelance a lot and it was hard to carry your laptop around and we thought of making something that you can code from anywhere um, mm. hence the name code anywhere so that's sort of where the idea for our first sort of real quote-unquote business started
1: so now and we'll jump back into it but i also if i remember right you also you've got two different i don't know websites companies however you want to call it going you've got ShiftCon or conf.co and also codeanywhere.com right so you kind of run those in parallel or do or
0: manage both of those at the same time is that right Yeah, exactly, something I would never advise anyone, and I'm trying to advise myself to do one thing, sort of focus, 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 uh, but sort of just can't get rid of the two of them. Uh, I did a lot of things in my life, a lot of companies, projects, whatever. Um, Not as successful as your exists. hopefully knock on wood, we'll get to those soon, Um, but um, have been trying to focus since then. So now I spend my time on Yes Code Anywhere, the cloud-based editor, and second um, is a series of technical conferences called Shift, Uh, the website shiftconf.co. So it started as a developer conference and then expanded into a FinTech conference as well and an artificial intelligence conference. And now in the world of post-corona, we have a series of virtual conferences as well, like everyone else, I guess. You have to sort of survive since there's no in-person for the time being. Um, So yeah, so I was splitting my time between those two things. Um, It's been a weird journey on parallel doing both of them. the reason so where do we start with this um can you so, tell me
1: sort of yeah so no that's a great intro as far as the the two companies you're running so now as i've always as the name may imply so we go about the journey right so you, you're that's where you're at today but why don't we take a step or two backward and say okay what did you do leading up to this or how did you get there so what did you do before this and then how did you get to here and then we can talk about that journey just a little bit
0: Sure absolutely. So um sort of the history of the the first or the older company which is code anywhere. Well, I'll jump in. Go two steps beyond that. So even before you started that
1: company, what brought you to how, doing that? How far that back company?
0: are we going? How far back you're
1: are we back going? Go back to high school with your date now I'm just kidding. So after graduation, you you graduated from school. you're in a software program. So did you graduate as a software engineer, or coder, self-taught software or how did that work?
0: Uh, it was, so uh, uh, I graduated as uh, under information technologies. I was actually, uh, IT systems and networks was sort of my major. Um, got, but I didn't like that. It was too much, um, too much dust and dirt and plugging in cables and whatnot. So that's why I sort of pivoted towards uh, websites and, and, and programming those and being a freelancer for, for that part. Um, got hired right out of school, actually during school. Um, worked there for a while um, under uh, the umbrella of this big company, and we took care of all their the, all their IT needs, be it you know servers, computers, websites, whatever. Um, mm. Worked there for three years, four years. Um, mm. Then ended up convincing my boss to let me spin it out into my own company, so we became a services company for that umbrella of companies. Um, so how, so with, without
1: ju- jumping, because that's an interesting conversation. So how did you go to your boss and say? Hey, we've got this profitable thing. I really think we'll grow into thing. now I don't want to do it under this umbrella. I want to spin it off and do it on my
0: own. How did that so, conversation go? Absolutely. So um, the boss owned like 20, so companies. So whatever, he had a lot of companies um, and he wanted one IT team to sort of take care of everything. He also had an, a lawyer team and whatever, you know, all the other things that he could outsource. Mm. Um, and it was just like two people. Uh, and while his companies grew, I wanted to grow as well and then I, ended up convincing them to hire another person. Then another person the team sort of grew, but Mm. I personally could not grow anymore because you're at the top of the chain, so to speak inside this umbrella. Mm. Um, and I remember funny thing, we went to Malta long story, but we went to Malta and I met him there and we're having a meeting and I convinced myself that I couldn't grow anymore. And if I couldn't grow, I would leave. And I was just telling him, listen, I'm going to leave. Um, because I cannot grow anymore under this umbrella. It's great, I love you, I love the company, everything's fine, but something personal for me. Um, and he's like, I'm like, okay, the only way I can stay sort of is if we spin this out as our own company. And he said like, it took him like all of 10 seconds. He's like, fine, but 51, 49% for me. I'm like, no, it can't be like that. I have to have the majority of the company. And then he said, fine, we shook our hands and literally that was pretty much it um it seems sort of quick and easy but it took like the four years i think it was growing and building that connection with him reliability of us as the it team that he knew that we could take care of everything and i guess it sort of was the one of the most confident moments of my life where i was like take it or leave it it doesn't matter and so, he took it
1: so one maybe this follow up question on that so when you when you guys kind of said okay take it or leave it i need to spin this out or i've got to go do my own thing i kind of hit my you know what people always, the cliche word, the glass ceiling type of a thing, right? Yeah. So you do that. Did, they, did he take an ownership stake in the, because that would be, hard, you know, if I'm looking out at the employer side, say, hey, we've invested this time, resource, growing it, doing it. And even if you have a lot of companies, it's still an investment of time and money and effort. So as you spun that out, as you said, take it or leave it, did he just say, here you go, here's the keys to the kingdom? Did he say, hey, I'll keep an equity share in it, or how did that work? And if it's too personal, by
0: all means. No, no, it's fine, absolutely. He wanted a 51% stake in that company right away, and I was like, that can't work. We (laughs) ended up uh, getting to more reasonable, it was like 25 um, at the end, so he had a 25% stake in that new company that was growing, um, which I thought was more than fair, because uh, it it was a rolling start, right? You start your own company with like 20 clients on day zero, so you're making money or getting revenue I did not make money the first couple of years, but it it had revenue from day zero. So I think that was more than fair. Um, Later on, sold the company, uh, bought him out and whatever. So it went pretty well uh, for a first exit. Not super large, but fair enough to get yourself sort of off the ground um, financially coming from, you know, uh, fairly humble beginnings.
1: Okay. So you do that. You spin it out, grow it get a, or sell it off, make some, or a good exit. So then what was next?
0: So, uh, the last, so, uh, that lasted uh, a couple years. Uh, the entire company was four years, maybe a little longer than four years. Um, in parallel in the, the last sort of year and a half of that, um, I was, I met my co-founder of Code Anywhere, uh, who was the head of IT for a bank that was a client of my company initially or of that which was owned by that owner, right? Mm. So that's where I met him and we just started discussing these ideas. Um, and then uh, when we started building that SaaS product, so Code Anywhere is a software as a service product, um, we didn't go all in on it, it was sort of like a part-time hobby-ish thing that we did. Um, mm. And when we saw that, that there's actual need and growth, uh, potential growth for that, um, we decided that we needed to raise money to go, you know, attack the rules of the world or whatever. Um, and this is where the story sort of starts unfolding. Um, we had no idea how to raise money. We had no idea how to do anything. Um, when you someone mean, says, people, yeah,
1: you, don't mean you Wait, you mean you don't just have a good idea and people just don't come knock down your door to give you money? They do, <laughs> not.
0: They do not, obviously. Um, I think it's easier now. I haven't raised money in a long time, uh, a couple of years. So I'm not sure, but I, it seems easier. But back then, especially in, you know, uh, Southern Eastern Europe, it's really hard. Um, And the only way we thought we could do it was meet investors at conferences. So then, I mean, we were financially okay enough that we could, you know, invest our time, money, travel, buy plane tickets and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were lucky with that one. And we flew to like 20 conferences. Um, Conferences for people that don't know technology conferences uh, often have a sort of pitch competition in them very, very often. So you'll have like 10 startups that are the best at something, 20 startups, fifty startups, whatever, alongside, you know, standard speakers, parties, dinners, networking, whatever. Um, And we'd always get in the finals, we'd get on stage and pitch, but we never win anything. We never raised any money there. It was a total failure. I remember one conference, that was pretty much one of the last ones. It was in Vienna, Austria. Um, And me and my co-founder and a friend drove there from our city, which is like eight hours of driving. Uh, on the way back, we fight it for like eight hours straight. It's like, he was telling me, an idiot, I don't know what I'm doing, this doesn't make any sense. No, it's your fault. So so your fault. We're not reloading, buddy, because you're hours. not doing it. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, it, it was like on the verge of a divorce, was two people. <laughs> Well, the yeah. funny
1: thing is but you get in with, and that's a side note, but you get in with somebody in, on business, it's almost as much of a marriage, if not more. You oftentimes will spend more time with that part business partner than you do with the spouse, and so it, it is very much like a divorce or a marriage.
0: It is. I'm pretty sure you know as well, but like I'm married. I've been married for three years almost, but uh, my partner in Code Anywhere, that's, that's a harder uh, relationship to manage. And then the actual marriage, I feel it's easier to get out of a marriage than out of a partnership for a company. I feel, I'm not sure, but
1: you got to wait until you have kids. So I've married for, I guess, 13 years now and I have four kids ages nine through four. So that may change the dynamic a little bit at some point, maybe, but maybe. I get your point. Yeah, there, there is certainly, you want to be careful and I'm not saying you don't have a good partner now, but you want to be careful who you choose as a partner on the front end, because yeah. I would take it everybody as much as a marriage in some ways, you know, as you say more you're going to spend a lot of time with them. If you, if the company goes down or you can't work it out and you have to split the assets, it's a lot like, you know, splitting an assets in the board. So there's a lot of parallels. So didn't mean to take
0: you off topic. No, so go absolutely. ahead. No, definitely for the people that are listening. Like I took it very lightly uh, when creating partners uh, early on now, much more skeptical. I mean, everyone would say, be careful who you partner with and whatever. But when you're younger, people are like, Oh, he's my friend and I can partner with him. And he's cool and whatever. It's like, until you've had fights with them until there's actual money on the table assets on the table people have no idea what's going on so definitely i can't emphasize that isn't en- enough to sort of like watch out who you partner with when you partner right
1: yeah. um
0: but uh anyways come back so- to your story so, when so is- driving, home, driving home eight hours um mm-hmm. and so uh what we did after that was sort of cool um we found a website which is called angels list it still exists uh, but at the, back then, it was very new. list is basically like a Twitter or Facebook where investors and startups sort of have profiles. Sort of, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know. And they have like um, hottest startups or trending, whatever, um, on the page. And we figured out how to hack it. Um, the thing is, you have to create a profile and under 24 hours, get a lot of people to sort of like you or follow you or, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then what we did is we created a profile and we used all these people that we met on conferences, all these investors, all these people that we were okay with, they just didn't want to put money in us. Mm. And they all sort of liked us in 24 hours and we got on trending the next day. Um, the day after that, we got an email from an investor that wanted to invest in us. I actually wanted to license the software and, and after eight months ended up investing Six hundred thousand dollars into our company, which for us was like a lot of money at that point. So yeah, that's still a lot of money even today. So yeah. So and he did that without even meeting us. It was all Skype. Everything. I met. I met him multiple times afterwards, but the money came into the bank account. Bank account. I've never seen the person before, uh, like at all in my life. So I've seen you more times than I've seen him, to be honest. <laughs> um, at that point, so that is sort so, of. But it, but
1: I don't want say that. So that was then worthwhile. Even though conferences didn't work out, it did help you end up leveraging a lot of that network and those connections that you made later on. So while it felt as a failure at the time, it sounds like it, it did it did provide
0: additional help or, or pathway forward. Absolutely, it did, and I'm pretty sure they still do. Um, and I can advise anyone to go for it, but there's a lot of trade offs later on as well. So there's a lot of good and the bad with that. Um, so what happened? At that sort of time, I sold off the, the, the initial company and had, you know, sort of worked on Code Anywhere. And then we became serious. We started growing, hiring more people after that. Um, also, the next year after that trip to Vienna, after all those conferences, the founder of the Vienna conference asked me if I wanted to create a conference in Croatia, where I'm from. Mm. And up until that point, I've never organized anything bigger than a birthday party. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, one of those moments is like, you know, it's It could yeah, be that hard. I could do that. Yeah. Exactly. Like 12 months later, um, the conference starts. It was an afternoon one at 4 p.m. And I'm like putting up flags and I'm like, I'm also the MC and I'm also getting people there. It was insane, right? Uh, super stressful. Um, but people were happy with it. And that actually, that first conference enabled us. So after doing that first conference and using the connections from the, the previous ones we were at, we actually started building a conference business, not knowingly. It's like, it's a hobby and we'll do it next year. And then we'll do it next year. And then we'll do it next year. And nine years later, we've been doing it every single year and now doing three events um, a year. Um, So these conferences are about 1,500 people each. So not super huge, but still fairly, fairly large. Uh, Speakers from all over the world, mostly Silicon Valley. Uh, We fly them to Croatia where most people, other than going for – um, vacation and seeing Game of Thrones places don't usually come. Right? Um,
1: but on, I don't know, isn't it? Maybe I'm wrong. Right, isn't the Robert on Shark Tank also from Croatia?
0: Originally, yeah, we're we're in. For, so uh, I was born in Toronto and moved to Croatia. He was born in Croatia and moved to Toronto. So right. well,
1: that's 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 probably, the only only reason I've I've really heard of or know too much about Croatia because I love watching Shark Tank. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, but I've never met him. He's a bit older than me and quite. More successful, so like kudos to him. So far, you're going you'll reach it, then you'll make yeah, it. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> right. uh, so that's sort of where the intertwining between the two events uh, sort of started. Uh, originally, the first event, so the first three years of our events, lost money, and we had no idea what we were why we were doing them. Um, but you fine tune things. Um, we sort of focused more on developers, which was our uh, user base from Code Anywhere um it started making money it started growing and that's sort of um the event has after the first three years of losing more money each year so the revenue went down each year um the revenue went up but like losses went up as well uh it then started plateauing out and making money uh year after year which is amazing um and we have an amazing team that runs that now um at the same time code anywhere is going through its other things oh so on a note what i was saying about conferences is that uh, one year we got investors from tech We always get investors as well to our conferences, but one of the investors from tech stars, which is the second biggest startup accelerator came to our conference uh, looking for startups. And he actually picked us the founders of the conference out of all the startups that were at our conference. Uh, his words being, and I'm paraphrasing this is um, we had a hundred thousand users on the, on the platform. He's like, if his CTO can create a platform for hundred thousand users, and Yvonne can create a conference for a thousand people from around the world to Croatia, then I want to put my money in these two people for what they're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we weren't sure we wanted to go and they literally pulled us out from Croatia to Boston. Uh, We lived in Boston for about a year, uh, went through the tech stars accelerator, got some additional funding and literally became a company. Before that, we were just like a bunch of cowboys programming. (laughs) Um, But after that, an actual, company with you know decision process pipelines and all that so uh it really matured us not just like the financial part that we got from that um but as people and us entrepreneurs and as a company um so that was really a really positive thing about the conference as well um again i'm not sure if i would ever advise someone to do multiple things at the same time but these we did it and it's sort of been intertwined and working for us along the way and it's hard to do multiple things but it it has um so after that tech stars has been great this is like the fourth conference if we're talking about timelines so the first one that was successful went to TechStars. uh we were there for a year came back probably right before the next conference um was growing great we got the extra publicity extra you know financials whatever extra users and the next two years were grand on all, all, platform, all sort of um, uh, all projects. And then what happened is we just couldn't grow as fast as we were burning money. Um, and literally it's like, oh wow, like everything was going great. You're spending money partly from revenue, partly from you know, investment. You're going great, you're going great. New people are hiring, getting up to 20 people, you know, new office, new max, everything great. And then you're like, oh shit, um, we're gonna run out of money. And like, two months and we're dead um so that was that was really really hard uh literally i don't remember i think it was like it was like the oh shit moments of firing people was like 24 hours or something like that and it was like it wasn't like a hard fire um me and my co-founder went for coffee it's like this doesn't make sense we can't do this we have to let them go and they're like we're like yeah we have to and then we had them all hands sort of set. everyone This is it. Uh, We actually gave everyone three months pay um, and said you can like walk out today or you can work for the next three months, like completely, like whatever you want. Um, And we'll give you three months pay even if you get another job. Uh, Every single person got a job in like a month and a half after that. So um, we think we did fairly well by them and we're still very good friends with all of them as far as I can imagine. So as far (laughs) as I know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, but I mean, we do, they, they, I mean, uh, some of them have moved out of the country. They've flown back even today. They said, hi, message me. Like we're going to meet up. So, um, very, I think we did that very graciously or we tried to anyway. Um, and the, the cool thing is that, um, after that happened, we went through all almost going to zero money and losing money and sort of building up the company slowly. Um, we ended up keeping some of the people and hiring them back the same people that were there originally. So that part was really good and really positive for us that we were able, we were able to go to that moment where we were at our high, go almost back to the beginning, uh, grind through it, and then get the people that you want that were originally there back on your team and working for us even today. So, um, so the people that are with Code Anywhere now uh, are the same people that have been, almost all of them are the same people that have been throughout the beginning, minus some of them that didn't come back, but the ones that there are.
1: And how, and just do here one thing and then we we'll, we're getting towards the end so i'll ask my last two questions but i'll ask them my other question before that so when you're going through that phase of you're growing it was feeling like you're successful you're hiring you're getting new offices you get new furniture it, all, it makes it you know makes it feel like you're successful and then you get to the point of but wait now we don't have any more money we have to figure out how to actually be profitable not just you know live off investors and what i think a lot of companies go through that right you're saying hey, we got investor dollars, life is going to be good forever. And eventually those dollars, no matter what company you are, and some can live off investment dollars for a long period of time, eventually everybody has the expectation that you're going to make money and you can't live off of investor dollars forever. And so how was that transition of, okay, now we got to figure out how to be fully profitable, how to make this work and how to make it a profit, not just grow the business.
0: Uh, it was real, so it was hard. The thing that, we, that I discussed with my co-founder, which at that point was sort of on the way out as well, I'm like, listen, we, let's do, give me three months. Um, let's do this. Scrap all features um, in the product that 80% of the people don't use, mm-hmm. and just fix the features that 80% of the people do use. Because we were always we're from a very technical part of the world, and people liked technology more than sales. So it was like, "Oh, we need this feature. We need these features. Like, scrap everything. Just like scrap it. It doesn't matter who gets mad. Just like leave the core ones and make it work." Um, and as for money, we'll literally sell everything. We sold on like a Craigslist sort of website, like chairs, tables, everything. It was awful. It's very for your ego. It's it is the worst thing in the world. Like you pay a chair, I don't know, three hundred bucks, and you're selling it for fifty. Just to get it out and get some dollars into your pocket. Um, it kills you. It teaches you. Now I'm much different person financially and and how we working with the company Uh, but we ended up surviving financially we fixed those things and a year later was like I think a year or 18 months later whatever it was it was financially our best month ever and the growth has continued since then it's not a super fast growing company it grows about 10 to 15 percent year over year but has solid growth month over month since then Um, and even now we're opening up new uh, new markets, new territories and whatever. So yeah, it, you have to be able to sort of endure those you know, ups and downs. So we almost, we probably just hit on, but maybe not. So I'll jump to my life.
1: I think that's interesting. So I think that, you know, and it's one that a lot of times you have to learn and you always, everybody always thinks they're the exception to every rule, right? Everybody, I've always heard or read this, but I'm going to be the exception and I think everybody has to go through and figure out, okay, what is our core product, what is our core focus, how are we going to make money, what do we need, what do we not need, and, and, and make, learning a lot of those lessons, I think, is something you, you know, almost have to learn over time, but you do that, and so now we'll jump to my last questions, and maybe it dovetails, maybe you already hit on it, but what was the worst business, so my, to my, to my last two questions, so first one is always, what was your worst business decision, maybe this was it, or maybe there was a different one.
0: Uh, so I think the worst, I, I thought about this question a, a lot. Is like, what's my worst business decision? And I've done it multiple times. I still haven't learned it completely. It's I. It's not, it is maybe about the product, but one thing that's universal across all uh, companies, process we've done is actually about people and that people say it a lot and it sees a cliche as well. It's like hire fast, uh, hire slow and fire very fast. And I mm-hmm. found that that has always been a problem for me personally is just the personal connections where people are really really you know uh they're good people and they try uh but it doesn't work out for the team and later on you suffer um and that has happened both with code anywhere and the other companies that i've done is that if i'd done that sooner and on time we hadn't touched on that but i'm sure that that up and down would have been a lot smoother and easier to work with okay no i
1: think that that's a good lesson, good, good mistake to learn to get a good lesson to learn from. So now I'll jump to my second question. So for you to then say, okay, that's the worst mistake. If you're getting, and sometimes these questions dovetail into each other, but if you're talking with somebody that was just getting into startups or wanting to get into startups, what would be the one piece of advice you'd
0: give them? Uh, the one I learned this from another very successful founder is that I think perseverance is sort of the, the best thing. So the best advice to give to someone because <clears throat> making a startup or any company is not a fairy tale mm. and you will have mornings i'm sure you know this sorry i'm sure you know this when you wake up and you just want to die you just you you just want to <laughs> die you don't want to go to work you don't want to see anyone like every like life is hell and it will be hell and i and i and i see people now going through hell and it's like listen man i've gone through it you just have to wake up and just push through it mm. and people that push through it It's self perpetuating, sort of like the people that do push through it end up pushing through it. The people that don't push through it just don't push through it anymore and they fail and close or or whatever. Although failing is another story, but definitely on your own path to your success, whatever it is, um, it will be rocky and you will have ups and downs and it's hard as, as hell. So, like, definitely I think perseverance is the number one thing I could advise anyone. Uh, and I tell that to myself every time it's hard. And it was hard when it was Corona, uh, like two months ago. So you just wake up and are like, Oh, it's this time of life again. Uh, just have to wake up in the morning and plow through the day.
1: No, and I think, and yeah, you're right. The fail, learning from failures, getting back up, that's a whole nother story. But I think perseverance is a common key, whether it's the business you're at. And if that fails and you have to persevere, get, pick yourself back up, figure out what you're going to do next or persevere. And I think there's highs and lows on every business. And I, Whenever you see the movie, you see the TV show, you read the book and you hear all the highlights and everything, you know, everybody's an overnight success, 10 years in the making. And you never hear about the 10 years in the making. It's hear about the overnight success. And there's a lot of perseverance that goes into that. And I think 99.9% of the time, it's not just a perfect like it is in the movies, just everything works out. So I think that's, that's a great lesson to learn. Well, if people want to reach out to you, they want to invest in you, if you're taking investors, or they want to work for you, they want to use your
0: product, or otherwise just get connected with you, what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, the easiest way to say it verbally is my first name.lastname at gmail.com. That one works. Otherwise, it's my first name at my domain name, so codeanywhere.com or shiftconf.co.
1: All right, well I'll certainly uh, invite people if you're looking for a coding platform that you can do anywhere, to make sure that you do to code anywhere and if you want to go to an awesome conference, make sure to check you out as well and uh, reach out to you. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun to talk about your journey, where you've been and where you're at today and wish you the next uh, best phase of your journey. And for those of you that are wanting to tell your journey on the podcast and want to apply to be on, you can go to inventivejourney.com and uh, make sure to apply and if you're a listener and uh, make sure to subscribe so you can hear this episode and all the upcoming episodes and get that notification and lastly if you're looking for any help with uh, patents and trademarks feel free to reach out to us at uh, Miller IP Law and we're happy to help thanks again Yvonne not Ivan for coming on Uh, it was a pleasure to talk with you and wish you the best of your journey
0: thanks for having me it was fun and was really really fast so happy to be here